Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Q2 2022 Steve Madden Limited Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during that session, you will need to press star 1-1 on your phone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded, and I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Ms. Danielle McCoy, VP of Corporate Development and Investor Relations. Ms. McCoy, please go ahead. Thanks, Chris, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining our second quarter 2022 earnings call and webcast. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that our remarks that follow, including answers to your questions, contain statements that we believe to be forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act. These forward-looking statements are subject to risks that could cause actual results to materially differ from those expressed or implied by such forward-looking statements. These risks include, among others, matters that we have described in our press release issued earlier today and filings we make with the SEC. We disclaim any obligation to update these forward-looking statements, which may not be updated until our next quarterly earnings conference call, if at all. The financial results discussed on today's call are on an adjusted basis unless otherwise noted. A reconciliation to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measure and other associated disclosures are contained in our earnings release. Joining me on the call today is Ed Rosenfeld, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer. Unfortunately, Zine Mazuzzi, Chief Financial Officer, is under the weather recovering from COVID and is unable to join. With that, I'll turn the call over to Ed. Well, thanks, Danielle, <clears throat> and good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us to review Steve Madden's second quarter 2022 results. We delivered strong results in the second quarter, with revenue increasing 35% and diluted EPS increasing 31% compared to the prior year. While macro pressures intensified during the quarter, our team remained laser-focused on executing our strategy combining outstanding product and effective marketing to create closer connections with our consumers, thereby enabling our four key business drivers. One, driving our direct-to-consumer business, led by digital. Two, expanding in categories outside of footwear like handbags and apparel. Three, growing in international markets. And four, strengthening our core U.S. wholesale footwear business. Our strong execution against these initiatives drove above-plan performance in the second quarter in each of our primary business segments. In wholesale footwear, revenue increased 47% compared to the prior year. Steve Madden was the largest contributor to growth, with strong, ga- <coughs> excuse me, strong gains across women's, men's, and kids, followed by Dolce Vita, which continues to have exceptional momentum and grew more than 150% compared to the prior year. In our wholesale accessories and apparel segment, revenue grew 65% compared to the prior year, driven by robust gains in Steve Madden handbags, BB Dakota Steve Madden apparel, and private label accessories. And in direct-to-consumer, revenue increased 2%, a strong result considering it came on top of the phenomenal growth from a year ago, when our DTC business benefited from pent-up demand and stimulus checks and increased revenue 63% over pre-COVID second quarter 2019. Finally, across each of these segments, we delivered robust growth in international markets. 
International revenue increased 82% versus the second quarter of 2021, driven by particularly strong performance in our directly owned subsidiary markets, Canada, Mexico, and Europe. Overall, international represented 15% of our total revenue, up from 11% a year ago and a new quarterly high. So overall, we were very pleased with our performance in the second quarter. That said, macro conditions deteriorated during the quarter, and we did see consumer demand and sales trends moderate beginning in June, which has continued into July. Given these macro pressures, the near-term outlook has become more uncertain, and we are taking a cautious approach to managing our business in the back half. Looking out further, however, we remain as confident as ever that by leveraging our core strengths, our people, brands, and business model, and executing on our strategy, we can drive growth and create significant value for our stakeholders over the long term. Now, I'll turn it over to Danielle to review our second quarter financial results in more detail and provide our outlook for the remainder of the year. Thanks, Ed. Our consolidated revenue in the second quarter was $535 million, a 34.5% increase compared to 2021. Our wholesale revenue was $397.1 million, up 51.5% compared to the prior year. Wholesale footwear revenue was $291.4 million, a 47.1% increase from 2021, driven by strong performance in our flagship brand, Steve Madden, as well as in Dolce Vita, Ann Klein, Betsy Johnson, and Private Label. International wholesale footwear Revenue grew more than 60% versus the prior year. Wholesale accessories and apparel revenue was $105.7 million, up 65.2% to last year. The growth was driven primarily by strong gains in Steve Madden and private label handbags, as well as in our apparel business, which recorded year-over-year growth of more than 100% for the third consecutive quarter. Q2 also benefited from a pull forward of deliveries from Q3, particularly in private label. In our direct-to-consumer segment, revenue was $135.5 million, a 2.2% increase compared to 2021. As Ed mentioned, we had an extremely tough comparison in Q2 2021 due to the benefit from stimulus and pent-up demand, and as such, we were pleased to exceed last year's direct-to-consumer revenue in the quarter. Compared to pre-COVID second quarter of 2019, direct-to-consumer revenue was up 66.4%. We ended the quarter with 213 brick-and-mortar retail stores, including 66 outlets, as well as six e-commerce sites, and 19 company-operated concessions in international markets. Turning to our licensing and first cost segments, our licensing royalty income was $2.2 million in the quarter, compared to $2.8 million last year. First cost commission income was $0.1 million in Q2, versus $0.3 million last year. Consolidated gross margin was 40.7% in the quarter, compared to 42.7% in the prior year. The decline was entirely due to a mix to wholesale from direct-to-consumer, as we recorded year-over-year increases in each of wholesale and direct-to-consumer. Wholesale gross margin was 31.6%, ex- 
spanning 100 basis points compared to last year, driven by margin improvement in wholesale footwear. Direct-to-consumer gross margin was 66.4%, an increase of 100 basis points compared to the prior year, driven by margin improvement in international markets. Operating expenses were $150.8 million in the quarter, compared to $119.1 million last year. As a percentage of revenue, operating expenses were 28.2% in the quarter, a 170-point basis point improvement compared to 2021. Operating income for the quarter totaled $67 million, or 12.5% of revenue, compared to $51 million, or 12.8% of revenue last year. Our effective tax rate for the quarter was 23.5%, compared to 20.7% in 2021, primarily due to the decreased discrete benefit from the exercising investing of share-based awards. Finally, net income attributable to Steve Madden Limited for the quarter was $49.8 million, or 63 cents per diluted share, up from 39.7 million, or 48 cents per diluted share in 2021. Moving to the balance sheet, our financial foundation remains very strong. As of June 30, 2022, we had 180.5 million of cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments, and no debt. Inventory totaled 306.5 million, compared to 125.5 million last year and 146.1 million in 2019. Inventory continues to be higher than historical levels as a result of our need to place production orders earlier due to supply chain disruption and longer transit times. We built an average of an additional 40 days of transit time into our production schedules and as a result have approximately 40 days more supply of inventory than we did pre-COVID. We remain comfortable with the amount and composition of our inventory and our ability to meet our customer ship windows. We began seeing improvement in the supply chain and a reduction in transit times in the second quarter. And as we return to more normalized way of operating, we expect inventory levels to come down meaningfully beginning in Q4. Our CapEx in the quarter was 1.7 million. During the quarter, we repurchased $34.6 million of the company's common stock, which includes shares acquired through the net settlement of employee stock awards. The company's board of directors approved a quarterly cash dividend of $0.21 cents per share. The dividend will be payable on September 26, 2022, to stockholders of record as of the close of business on September 16, 2022. Turning to our outlook, we are reiterating our full year guidance. We continue to expect revenue to increase 13% to 16% compared to 2021 and diluted EPS in the range of $2.90 to $3. Now, I'd like to turn the call over to the operator for questions. Operator? Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you'll need to press star 1-1 on your phone. Please stand by as we compile the Q&A roster.
Our first question comes from Camilo Lyon of BTIG. <clears throat> Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, good morning, all. Um, and nice job on the quarter in an increasingly challenging environment. Um, Ed, you talked about it in your pre prepared remarks, um, starting to have seen uh, deceleration in your business in June. That's continued into July. I was wondering if you could give a little bit more color around that comment. Maybe talk about uh, is there a disparate um, level of activity by your wholesale partners? Um, if we think about the higher uh, income exposed partners or the lower income exposed partners, where you're seeing the pullback uh, unfold? That's my first question. Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, the, 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 uh, the pullback that we saw at the began in June, I, I think we've really seen that across channels. Um, it's, uh, we saw that to, in our DTC channels and we saw it uh, to some degree in our wholesale sellers. I want to make the point that, uh, you know, we were starting with essentially through May phenomenal performance and there was a, a slowdown which I would, and that took us to a level that I would still characterize as pretty, pretty darn good. So, um, uh, you know, I can give you some color on our DTC channel maybe just to give you an indication of what we're talking about. So, through May, if you look at our DTC comp sales, including, you know, total, including bricks and mortar and digital versus 19, we were running uh, over plus 70% comp uh, to 19. Uh, and that was, that was for Q1 and also through the first two months of Q2. And then June and July, that number has looked more like 57%. So, uh, again, meaningful slowdown, but, uh, you know, 57% comp to 19, nothing to be ashamed of uh, and, uh, you know, know that there's a lot of brands that would probably like to uh, like to be seeing those kind of numbers. So um, in terms of your question about high end versus low end, again, I think, you know, the slowdown uh, has really been somewhat across the board. If we look at uh, uh, how the wholesale customers are reacting to that, we are seeing them pull back uh, and get more cautious, incrementally more cautious about how they're approaching forward orders, particularly for Q4. Um, and I would say that uh, on a percentage basis, we have seen more of a pullback from the, uh, the folks that target the low-income consumers, but we have seen uh, virtually all the customers get more cautious. Uh, that's really helpful. Thanks for the color. Um, <clears throat> so I think you just said at the end that you're seeing more of a pullback on the fourth quarter order pattern. Um, maybe just shifting what you're starting to see, if anything, on the trend side. Um, I'd be curious to see what you're seeing from the demand perspective in that regard, any early reads you're getting um, as we head into the back half. And does your inventory position today, given the um, improvement in supply chain lead times that you're seeing, does that give you a better ability to chase or fill uh, demand should, uh, or, or should at once demand should some of the um, pullback in the fourth quarter be an overshoot to the downside? Yeah. So in terms of uh, uh, fashion trends, which I believe was the first part of your question, um, we don't like to, <laughs> to talk this early in the season uh, too much about what we're seeing prospectively because it's for obvious competitive reasons, but, but I think one piece of color I can give you is that uh, uh, boots and booties, uh, we are seeing 
uh, good early reads on boots and booties. That's a category that's performing better at this time of year than it did a year ago. The penetration, for instance, in our DTC channels is significantly higher uh, than it was a year ago at this time, uh, and so we are optimistic about that category. Uh, and then in terms of your second question, uh, yes, we have seen a pretty meaningful improvement in, uh, in transit times recently. Uh, as an example from China, we were... Uh, you know, we were seeing 70-day transit times uh, and earlier this year, uh, and uh, more recently, we're looking at more like 45 days from China. So still not back to the 30 or so that, that, that we were at pre-COVID, or frankly, sometimes it was more like three weeks, 21 days, uh, but still meaningful improvement. So that's going to give us uh, a better ability to chase going forward, uh, and of course, as you know, in in fall, we also do quite a bit out of Mexico, uh, which, which means we have a better ability to chase uh, uh, those products. Uh, however, we're still not back to, uh, to, to our normal speed to market, um, and so I think it'll really be into 2023 before we can chase the way that, we, uh, the way that we're accustomed to. Do, do those improvement times in transit reflect or will they be reflected in terms of a cost improvement this year, or is that more of a 23 story? And how do we contextualize kind of the margin opportunity from uh, the improvement in supply chain, assuming that it stays at this level or continues to improve from here? Yeah, so if you're asking about the freight pressure uh, that we've seen, uh, we have seen, I guess what, I'll split it up between air and ocean. Uh, Air uh, freight uh, is down. The, the freight rates are down from where they were a year ago. They've come down a little bit, but still obviously dramatically higher than where they were pre-COVID. Uh, ocean uh, is higher than, than a year ago. Uh, the, the spot rates uh, have come down off their peak, uh, but it's still a headwind for us this year because last year we were benefiting from uh, a contract uh, where we had locked in rates well below the uh, well below the spot. So uh, all in all, when you put that together, freight's pretty neutral this year. Uh, after the big headwind that we had last year, maybe maybe a slight headwind again this year, and then and then hopefully, uh, if things continue, uh, it'll become a tailwind in 2023. Got it. Thanks so much, and and good luck with the back half of the year. Thanks, Camila. Thank you. One moment, please, for the next question. And our next question comes from Jay Soul of UBS. Your line is open. Great. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Um, and I just want to follow up on the last point. Uh, what's, your, what's your view on how much um, improvement you will see in the, the freight costs that you're talking about over time? It, you know, if it, hopefully it will be a tailwind next year but it will be a little tailwind. I mean, what's your visibility into freight rates getting back to maybe where they were pre-COVID? Um, that's the first question. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. Certainly I don't. Um, uh, if, if, the, if the rates continue as they are now, there will be some uh, same tailwind next year. Uh, but we certainly, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, – 250 basis points or more from uh, of headwind that we're experiencing now compared to pre-COVID, and uh, you know 
the rates still remain significantly higher from where they uh, from where they were pre-COVID. So if they stay where they are now, yeah, we'll get a little bit of that back, but but not that much. If uh, you know, and obviously we hope that that over time rates return to where they were before. But but I don't have any special insight as to whether or when that will happen. Got it. And maybe just on the inventory, is it possible to sort of break down a little bit further? Um, you know, your comments on inventory. You know, what do you, you know? How, what kind of inventory you're carrying, and sort of like how it's going to play out to you know to get to the point in four Q where inventory levels look more in line with the sales trend. Yeah, uh, you know, I think Danielle, uh, as Danielle pointed out in the in the prepared remarks, um, you know, if you look at the inventory compared to Q2 of 19, I think that's the right comparison, by the way, because Q2 last year we were we were dramatically under inventoried and had to fly a lot of goods, et cetera. But if you look at it compared to Q2 of 19, we have almost exactly uh, 40 days more of supply, and uh, that makes sense because, on average, we have built an additional 40 days of, uh, <clears throat> of transit time into our production calendars. Uh, and again, from China, you know, we used to work on 30 days, an assumption of 30 days, and then we began working on an assumption of 70 days earlier this year. As I pointed out, right now we're getting products in more like 45 days. So as that transit time uh, decreases, we'll be able to uh, to carry less inventory. And as I said, I think that you'll really start to see that uh, come down. Again, assuming that supply chain disruption doesn't get worse, but uh, assuming we stay on this path, you'll, you'll see the inventory level start to come down in Q4. Got it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Okay. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Samuel Poser of WTCO. Your line is open. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, one, you, you talked about the retailers being a little more cautious. Is that how is your performance relative to other things? Or are they being cautious with you because you don't you ship a lot of, or potentially cautious with goods that aren't there yet, despite how they may be performing relative to the rest of the business, other categories, and so on? We we still we still believe that that our performance is on the the high end of what they're seeing, uh, and we still think relative to the competition we're outperforming. Uh, but I think that, you know, this slowdown that we talked about in June and July, I think that that's something that's certainly not uh, just us that's seeing that. And I think uh, a lot of retailers are experiencing that and, and they're taking action as a result to try to, to uh, make sure their inventories are in line. Um, uh, two two follow-ups, one or three follow-ups. How how big relative, like June and how big is June and July relative this time period sort of in the big picture? Is this a busy time normally or is this sort of an in-between time and how, you know, you're, we're coming up on back to school, um, you know, do you believe that people's moods could change pretty quickly if back school comes in and, and it's, you know, we get sort of out of the doldrums into a time when people really need, you know, need to shop more? Yeah, to your point, these are not huge months. Uh, you know, we're certainly, yes, obviously, if, if things get uh, considerably better, people will react. Uh, but as of now, 
we're essentially assuming that uh, things continue as they are today. And then lastly, a Nordstrom anniversary sale. How that look for you? It was good. Yeah, we were very pleased with it. Uh, we had a very uh, overall very strong increase to last year, which which in and of itself was uh, you know last year was quite good as well. So so that was great. And I think what we were pleased about was really strong performance uh, across our various businesses. So uh, did well in Steve Madden, Dolce Vita, Blondo, Apparel, Kids. Uh, so it was uh, really broad-based strength, and uh, that was exciting. Um, thanks very much, and continued success. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. One moment for the next question. And we have a question from Laura Champagne of Loop Capital. Your line is open. Thanks for taking my question. Um, can you talk about growth of your versus your branded sales and maybe give a little more color on the growth of the Steve Madden brand specifically? Uh yeah, I'm sorry. I think that, that you were cutting out a little bit. You asked at first about private label versus uh, branded. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. Yeah, so branded uh, is growing faster than private label, and we expect that to be the case uh, in the back half as well. Uh, you know, our biggest customers on the private label side are the mass merchants, and, uh, you know, obviously both of them have, uh, the big ones have, have talked publicly about their desire to right-size inventory, and so we will feel some of that impact on the private label side. Uh, and then, you know, look, Steve Madden has been uh, the big driver of growth for us, uh, and that continues. Uh, Steve Madden, uh, you know, as an example, in wholesale this quarter was up uh, uh, north of uh, 40% to last year in the U.S. and, and faster that, than that in international markets. That's wholesale footwear. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, one moment, please, for the next question. And our next question comes from Ms. Susan Anderson of B. Riley Securities. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Nice job on the quarter. I was wondering if you could talk about um, ASPs versus units in the quarter. I guess, you know, how much of each drove the sales growth and also what you're seeing from an AUC perspective in the back half? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, ASPs were up meaningfully in, uh, in wholesale uh, versus last year. Uh, in DTC, our AUR was actually down a little bit uh, versus last year. Keep in mind, we had the huge improvement in AUR last year, so we're still well above pre-COVID levels, but we did have some pullback. Great. And then what about units, I guess, in, in both channels and then AUC in the back half, too? Uh, so units were, were up in, in both, yeah. And, okay. Uh, Going into the back half, uh, I still think there'll be a little bit of AUR pressure in uh, in DTC. Okay, um, and is that I guess you know just maybe kind of wanting to get your thoughts too, a follow on on just the promotional environment, like you know how you're feeling in terms of 
um, you know, having to pro- promote more or not promote more in the back half? Yeah, we are seeing promotional activity uh, increase across the industry. Obviously, it was un- unusually low last year, so we did build that into our plans coming into the year, uh, but but certainly that has come to pass. That I think there will be more promotional activity, and you'll see some of that from us as well. We, we think that we can keep it controlled, but it will be more than we did in 2021. Great. And then just to follow up on the inventory comments, I was curious, um, you know, the, the extra 40 days that you talked about that you have right now, I guess what's the composition of that? Is that for the fall, or is that summer product, or, you know, how should we think about that given – you know, historically, you've always, you know, obviously been more real-time. Yeah, it's it's fall. Okay, so it is fall. And then on the top line, um, you know, just the reiterate guide there, just curious, um, you know, it sounds like things have pulled in a little bit. Um, there's some macro uncertainty. So just curious maybe if you can elaborate a little bit more on what's driving the confidence there, I guess, you know, was there a big cushion to begin with there, and so you feel comfortable still with where you're at for the rest of the year? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, on May 31st, uh, we, were, uh, we were trending uh, to be ahead of the top end or above the top end of our annual guidance uh, on the top line uh, and the bottom line. Um, and uh, so we have made a... a I think sort of a, a meaningful adjustment uh, based on what we've seen in June and July, uh, but as of today, uh, that still keeps us within our range. Great. Thanks so much. That's really helpful. Good luck in the back half. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question. And our next question comes from Paul Ledgeway of City. Your line is open. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, you mentioned that TQ came in above your expectations. I was curious if you could share where you saw the biggest upside upside relative to, to your, your plan. And I think you had mentioned that there was a pull forward. Curious about the the size of of that. Um, and uh, and just, um, you know, obviously, you know, you didn't flow through the beat makes makes sense, but I am curious if you're just taking a more conservative approach on, on the top line for, for the second half, uh, is there also an aspect of increased promotional assumptions that are, that are built in and, and, and just high, high level, what are your wholesale, you know, retail partners, you know, how are they thinking about accepting price increases now at, at this point relative to how they were um, willing to accept those in the, uh, in the beginning of the year. Thanks. Sure. Uh, okay, there was a few there, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I hope I'm going to remember. Uh, I think the first question was about the beat in Q2 and what the, the, where that came from on the, on the top line. Yep. Uh, most of that was in wholesale, and most of that was pull forward, of uh, of orders that uh, we plan to go out in, in early Q3 that we were able to pull forward in Q2. We talked about the, the improvement in the transit times, and so we did get some stuff early, and we were able to get our accounts to take some, some goods in early. So, you know, we had, uh, I think, planned for Q2, if I'm remembering, to be up 
uh, in wholesale high 30s, maybe 39%, something like that, uh, to last year. And uh, obviously, we came in at 51.5% growth to last year, and, and the vast majority of that was, was the pull forward. Uh, on the DTC side, uh, we were also you know, modestly ahead of, of what we anticipated. I think we were looking at to be around flat, and we came in at up 2.2%. Um, and that was, again, driven by uh, April and May uh, outperformance. Uh, on uh, what was the next one? <laughs> Do we sure. Yeah, just the assumptions for, for the back half. I, I think you'd mentioned as part of a, an earlier response that you were taking a little bit more of a conservative approach on, on top line. But curious if you adjusted your assumptions on, on promotions and pricing uh, as, as well, and you know tie that into how willing your retail partners are, um, you know, to accept price increases that you were hoping to pass through. Yeah, we have. Uh, I think we've assumed uh, we've increased our assumptions for promotional activity modestly. Although we, you know, we have, as we've talked about in previous calls, we had built in an assumption that there was going to be an uptick in promo activity. So a lot of that was already in our numbers, uh, but we have uh, taken that up a little bit as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't think we're. I still don't think we're getting a lot of pushback from our wholesale customers on on price increases. Um, you know that they, they seem to be accepting those, um, and we'll obviously have to carefully monitor uh, how the end consumer reacts to that. But but uh, so far, it's not. I wouldn't say there's a lot of pushback from the wholesale customers. Thanks. Good luck. Thank you. One moment for the next question. And it looks like our next question comes from Tom Nikik of Wedbush. Your line is open. Hey, uh, good morning, Ed. Good morning, Danielle. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, uh, I just want to ask, you know, as we kind of work through our models for, for the back half, um, uh, can you help us sort of understand kind of the shape of the back half, like how we should think about Q3 versus uh, Q4? Um, obviously, you have a uh, you know, pretty challenging compares uh, in in Q4, uh, especially in the wholesale channel. Uh, and you know, I think you know, on on the last call, you kind of gave some um, some, some guidance around like wholesale versus DTC for the uh, full year. I was just wondering if anything's changed from a uh, channel by channel perspective. Thanks. Sure. Uh... Yeah, well, look, we, you know, we don't give quarterly guidance, so I'm not going to get too detailed about Q3 versus Q4, but I think that what I will tell you is uh, on, a, on an EPS basis, obviously our guidance implies uh, back half earnings down to last year, and uh, the vast majority of that decline we expect to come in Q4. So Q3, uh, I think that, you know, we can get close to where we were a year ago, uh, but Q4 we expect to be... Uh, to be down. Uh, in terms of the uh, expectations for revenue growth by channel, uh, that's not too different from where we were before. Uh, we've made slight tweaks there, but you know, we're still really in wholesale looking at mid to high teens for the year, and in DTC, mid to high singles. Got it. Thanks, Ed, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the year. Yeah. Thank you. One moment for the next question. 
Our next question comes from Steve Morata of CL King and Associates. Your line is open. Good morning, Ed and Danielle. Ed, you talked about June-July comps up 57%. Was there a material differential between June and July? And I also would stipulate, of course, that there are relatively light volume months. But was the percentage materially different from the two months? Almost exactly the same. That's helpful. And also, from a uh, from an AUC standpoint, we're seeing roll-offs in commodities, hearing about factory capacity uh, actually being a little bit more beneficial. Can you talk a little bit about AUC? H have you realized any of the benefits of that? And I know that you've already commented on freight, but have you received, uh, realized any benefits of that expectations in the second half of this year and maybe into 23 as well? Yeah, we have started to uh, see uh, some, uh, I guess, improvement <laughs> or as we, as we negotiate with our factories, uh, we think that perhaps some of this, um, uh, I guess, improvement <laughs> or as we, as we negotiate with our factories, uh, we think that perhaps some of the softening demand has made them a little hungrier for business and it has made those negotiations go a little bit better. So we think we're going to do a little bit better than, than, uh, than we were trending in terms of our factory prices, uh, particularly out of China. So would you say still above last year, but not as high as it had been on a year-over-year -year basis? Or actually, below, uh, would you say it's below? No, I would say that's right. Probably still, uh, still, certainly for the full year, still above last year. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. One moment. Our next question comes from Dana Telsey of the Telsey Advisory Group. Your line is open. Good morning, Ed and Danielle. As you think about DTC with e-com and stores, what did you see on each? How, how are they doing either relative to last year, relative to your plan? And then I always know that buy now, pay later um, was impactful for you. Any changes that you're seeing there? And just lastly, the urban stores versus suburban versus outlet stores, any difference in performance in what you're seeing? Thank you. Sure. Yeah, like a lot of folks, uh, we've seen a, a pivot back to brick and mortar this year uh, at the expense of digital. So brick and mortar was on a year-over-year -year basis uh, stronger than digital. Digital was actually down in the quarter. This is on our own and operated uh, versus last year. Uh, and brick and mortar was what got us to the uh, the positive two percent overall. Um, of course, if you compare to pre-COVID, obviously digital is still up dramatically, uh, and has been a far bigger source of growth. Uh, in terms of uh, buy now, pay later, yeah, that continues to be uh, uh, significant for us. We've we've seen uh, uh, the use of that tick up a little bit, which could be reflective of. Uh, inflation and how, how the consumer is feeling overall, uh, if they're feeling a little bit more strapped. Uh, and then in terms of the last one about urban versus uh, suburban locations, yeah, if you look at our, uh, in the U.S., at our comps by, uh, by region, uh, New York City was the, was the top uh, performer year over year. 
but that's really a function of the fact that it was it was the weakest uh, last year. If you look at it versus pre-COVID, uh, New York City was still the the weakest uh, region compared to uh, compared to 19. It was still the, it was the only region that comped negative to 19 in the quarter. Although we got very close, uh, we were only uh, we were down low singles there and, and expected to turn positive uh, this quarter. Uh, and then in terms of, uh, I think you asked also about full price versus outlet. Uh, full price was a little bit better than outlet stores in the quarter. Got it. And then are you taking price increases in the fall also? Where are you on the cadence of price increases? No, we really pushed that through uh, in spring. Uh, so there's nothing incremental in fall in terms of percentage. Uh, I mean, they are up, obviously, over last fall, uh, but, uh, but so was spring. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. One moment for the next question. And our next question is a follow-up from Samuel Poser of WTCO. Your line is open. Um, uh, thanks. I just want to follow up with some of the other questions that are just that being asked. Uh, Ed, could you talk about last year um, uh, as a non-promotional environment versus historicals, and how and and what kind of difference that was um, from you know, let's say the last ten years. Yeah, it was clearly the lowest level of promotional activity uh, for us and for the industry overall that uh, that I've seen in my career, uh, which, which spans more than the last ten years. Uh, so uh, it was meaningful. I mean, I can't. I mean, how many hundreds of basis points of gross margin? I can't tell you exactly off the top of my head, but it was significant, and we are seeing some normalization. Right, so a return to, I mean, the return isn't going anywhere near what it was in 19 or prior at the moment, but but it's getting, I mean, it's still, your margins are still going to be better than that. Uh, yes, for us, yes. I would say the industry overall, though, uh, we are seeing, a, you know, a pretty meaningful uptick relative to last year. Uh, will we get back to 19 levels? I'm not sure, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out the way things are going. Um, thanks very much. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. And again, to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your phone. Stand by as we compile the Q&A roster. And I see no further questions in the queue. I would now like to turn the conference back over to Ed Rosenfeld for closing remarks. Great. Well, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us this morning. Hope everybody enjoys the rest of their summer, and we look forward to speaking to you on the third quarter call. Have a great day. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you all for participating. You may now disconnect and have a pleasant day.